Hello everyone, and welcome to the Blaze Experience. Today we are talking some more Sea of Thieves. In this episode, we're going to get into a lot of how you do a fort. I know in previous episodes we mentioned some fort tactics. You know, we talked about some of the skeletons and forts. But this episode is going to be a deep dive into forts. How are you going to attack a fort? What are some of the tactics you can use to attack a fort? And basically, if you're a new player, this should help you actually get through a fort and survive. If you're a seasoned player, a lot of this information might be already known to you, but you might pick up some tidbits that you didn't really think of or you didn't actually see it from that angle in previous encounters. Maybe it'll be some new angles for you to try. Also, we're going to talk about some of the news since the last episode. We'll get into that more in a bit, but there's been a new developer update and we'll talk about things like that. And our usual co-host, Drew, he could not make it today, so he will not be here today, but he will be here in a future episode, so Drew will be back. But today we do have a special guest. We have my friend Monty, who we, I met in a Discord. He also goes by Hanzo Main. He considers himself a pretty good CFDs captain, and he's had a lot of experience with the game. So welcome to the show, Hanzo. Hello. How are you doing today? I am doing good, thank you. Yeah, all is going well. So what have you thought about Sea of Thieves? You know, you like the game so far? I am personally really enjoying it. Um, And sort of over the course of playing it, I've established a crew who I play with. We cause all sorts of shenanigans, sinking generally our own ship. But it's a great time going from island to island, sort of trying to get loot doing things for the different alliances and everything, all the different groups. Definitely, and that's one of the things I love about Sea of Thieves is you can kind of build a crew that you enjoy playing with and just have some fun with them. I mean, you can just crew up with random players and you might meet some new people you really enjoy playing with, so there's always going to be someone that you can crew up with and just have a fun experience. Yeah, I mean, I mean some, some of the best experiences are when you end up talking to opposite crews. Right. One thing I had the other day, which does link into skeleton forts. We were doing a skeleton fort, and then another galleon sided up alongside ours and tried to sink us, and we ended up saying we made a truce with them and said that we'd leave if they just didn't sink us. Hey, that works. <laughs> but it's moments like this, sort of the community, it, it can be quite fun. I, I, I like it. I agree, and kind of like you said, I mean, those encounters in-game with people that aren't in your crew those can be very enjoyable sometimes. I mean, we won't get into this episode, but I know a lot of players have had negative PvP encounters or like negative encounters with other players, but there are some enjoyable ones too where I just met like, you know, some random guy on a sloop and he turned out to be a pretty cool guy and we kind of worked together. You know, it's it's the moments like that that make the game in my opinion. Definitely. But we will touch on some of the news from the last episode. In my opinion, the biggest and best news that we've had, and the news that I'm overjoyed to tell everyone, the death tax is dead. There's going to be no death tax. Joe Neat himself tweeted out that they have listened to players, they've heard everyone saying how they don't like it pretty much, or they don't want it, and they have listened to us, and the death tax will not be coming to the game. It's completely gone. This is... Glorious news. I am so happy about this because there, there's situations where the death tax, you just you just end up losing tons of money if you just get farmed. Like, 
one person this was one of my more negative experiences we got we were on a, all on a galley and we decided we were going to commandeer someone's sloop so we all went on to someone's sloop we tried to be friends with them but they tried to kill us so we just had to keep killing them over and over for about an hour and they just wouldn't stop killing us even though we tried to make friends with them but situations like that where people just board your ship and kill you over and over you're just going to lose so much money with a death tax and well i will say in their defense they did say that the pvp elements wasn't going to apply the death tax so in those situations you wouldn't have gotten taxed but you would have gotten taxed like say we're talking a lot about forts today if you fought in a fort and you died like five or six times in that one fort battle then you would have got taxed a lot for that so I am glad they're just mixing it all together. No, I'm I'm with you there. Sort of it it's particularly with forts where with forts if all of your crew dies, then the fort resets. And that can be a pain if you're towards the end of the fort. So if you have things like these taxes or sort of things that decrease how your health or things just anything like that, then that can really make you suffer at forts and Right, definitely. It can just be a pain. And it can, it could even get to the point where, you know, you're making much less money from forts, and you you might even start losing money if it's a really unsuccessful fort. Well, and part of the bigger problem with the death tax, in my opinion, was it just takes away some of the fun of the game because some of the fun of the game is like, let me shoot myself out of cannon and see what happens, or let me like jump off this cliff and go attack a shark, or. It just takes away some of the fun aspects of the game because if you have to worry about, oh, I'm going to lose some gold if I die, like that takes away some of the enjoyable experiences you're going to have. Yeah, you can be a bit more gun ho with the game, right. but with the death tanks, you lose that. Exactly. Players would be more cautious, and then you wouldn't have all those experiences to talk about because you might not jump off the cliff. You might not shoot yourself out of a can because you're like, oh, well, maybe I'm going to die. I can't do that now. Yeah, no, I Every time we're at a big island, I always aim the cannon for the highest point and try and launch myself at the at the top of the island, just to see if I can do yeah, it. Yeah, why not? And if I had to worry about money, then I'm not going to do it, because chances are I'm going to lose out by doing it. But, you know, since I don't have to worry about that at the moment, it, it's just some fun to have at islands and things like that. Definitely, it's a lot of fun. Shooting yourself out of cannon is an enjoyable experience in itself. I mean, one of my friends actually shared a video with us that he shot himself out of a cannon and landed on a cliff where there's a chest. And it's like, wow, that, that's really cool. <laughs> I mean, one hilarious trick one of my one of my crew members did on me, he told me that there was a glitch with the cannon, that if we both got in at the same time, then it would shoot us backwards. So I got in the cannon, and he then fired it and shot me out into the middle <laughs> of the sea. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Completely tricked me. And it's sort of it's great fun, but if you have to worry about losing tons of money from that, right? Exactly. You're not going to do things because like you that. get eaten by a shark or something. So yeah, exactly. So definitely want to say thank you to Rare for listening to us. We really appreciate. I think I speak for most players. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody that liked the death tax, but I don't know who that was. But definitely thank you so much for getting rid of the death tax. I mean, it's very appreciated and. I think this is a good opportunity to just say everyone that's having like issues with the game or negative feelings about the game, I think this shows that Rare really wants us to work. Like This is a great example to show that Rare is really trying to make this the best experience it can be for the players, and they're really trying to listen to the community. So 
you know, let's try not to give them a hard time. I mean, I know there's some issues with the game that we're talking about, but they're doing their best and they're trying to make the game the best that it can be. You know, the, that is one thing that Rare has done really well, sort of just over the course of the betas and everything, is listen to the community and take on board what people are saying. Definitely, and I appreciate that so much because there's a lot of game companies that would not listen at all and you have to beat them over the head with it and they still won't listen, so... It, yeah, it, it's really refreshing to see this from the game developer, and it's nice. I agree. But speaking a little bit more of the developers, they did release an update video talking about some of the issues they're working on next. So just touching on those issues broadly before we dig into them as a whole, the four main issues they touched on were player access, delayed achievements, player rewards being delayed, and some isolated instances where characters got overwritten. So have you experienced a lot more of these issues since the last patch? I mean, player access sort of with the release was a huge problem. Right. Sort of, there was tons of errors and you just couldn't get on half the time. Like, the, f the first day of release, I didn't get on at all. Just, it was a pain. And sort of there was a couple more issues like that around the time. But recently it's been less so of an issue and that's again just really nice it's fixing these problems that are present and sort of at the forefront of everything and fixing these it just makes the game easier to play and it removes a lot of the hassle from it so you can just jump on and play some definitely i think they've done a great job fixing this so far because they had a couple of maintenance windows they had one I think Thursday after the game was released, the Saturday, and then as we're recording this on Tuesday the 27th, they had another maintenance window today. And in those maintenance windows, they definitely did a lot to fix the experience because, for example, in the last developer update they had, the top issue that they were trying to fix was player access. That is now kind of like third on their list because the player access seems to have gotten so much better where it's not really an issue anymore. They did mention in the video that there were still some issues on Friday with player access, but since then, the weekend went very smooth, and they haven't really seen a lot of issues since, so they're trying to make sure that's streamlined perfectly, but it seems like player access is really not much of an issue anymore. You know, and that is sort of one of the things I like about CFEs. You don't need to choose about joining servers or any of that. You just choose which boat you want to go on, and then you're into the game. Right. And it's sort of just easy to jump on and play. It's nice. Which I do want to remind players, too. It's not available yet, but private matches are definitely coming. So if you want to play with your friends, like say you and I were in a four-man galleon and one of our friends jumps off. If we have another friend that wants to jump on with us, we will be able to have a private match and just invite that player instead of getting a random player. So that is coming. So I just want to remind players of that, that you will be able to do that soon. It's just not available yet. I was not aware of this. Yes. That is very interesting to hear. I think it's definitely a great improvement because obviously there are those situations like I mentioned that it is kind of frustrating when a random player jumps in your crew and you don't really want to be mean to them because it's not like you're trying to not have them play with you, but you just had someone that you wanted to take that spot already. So it's kind of a bad situation for both parties. Yeah, no, that's really good because often what you have to do is you have to put, you just put them in the break until they leave the game and you don't want to do it. You don't want to be that guy, right. but, you know, otherwise your friend can't play, so what other choice do you have? Right, exactly. Like, 
that's a lot of where the brig gets abused, I think. I mean, some players just abuse it just because, probably, but I think a lot of players are abusing it because they, you know, there were issues where you didn't want the fourth player, and then they introduced the three-man galleon, which did solve some of those issues, but there's still issues, like I mentioned, where, say, I have four friends, and one of them is going to be on in an hour. Okay, well, let's make a four-man galleon and just leave that spot empty. You can do that when the private match comes out, and then when your friend comes on in an hour... They can actually just jump right into the gap, and then you won't have to worry about it. Yeah, I, li- I like that. That's good. And then if you still want to find random players, you don't have to make it private. I think it's definitely going to improve the overall aspects of the game. So I think for anyone that is still waiting for that, just, you know, hold tight a little bit longer. I don't know when it's coming exactly, but they did say the last time I heard soon after launch. So I don't know when soon means. Maybe it's in, you know, a couple weeks or who knows. But soon after launch is good enough for me. I'm just glad it's coming. I think they were they were also meant to be adding a fourth alliance sort of group after shortly after launch. So hopefully that's on what on the way fairly soon. Yeah, there's been a lot of teases and rumors about a fishing alliance, basically you know fishing faction. Uh, it's never been officially confirmed as far as I've seen, but there's been a lot of like teases where you know oh well, people think oh maybe it's fishing you know or somebody will say fishing and people read into it a lot so. I definitely don't want to say it's confirmed because I haven't seen that yet, but that is what is rumored to be the fourth one coming. That's quite nice. Sort of can't remember where I saw it now, but sort of someone was talking about, you know, it's Sea of Thieves, you're spending all your time on a boat, but you can't fish. Right. And sort of having that addition would be be pretty cool because otherwise, you know, there's not tons to do on the boat. One thing we've taken to doing recently is we all disable our game HUD and then we play hide and seek on the boat. That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> no, you you just you set the boat in the direction you need to go, then you guys just play hide and seek, and that's quite fun. Well, if you're playing some hide and seek too, you know, if you just go to sleep, you're just going to lay down, so people won't be able to see you as easy. So, well, it's easier on the galleon because right, yeah. by the cannons and in between the rope and or the the ladder right. and the balcony at the back, there's a couple of ledges, and if you manage to get onto one of those and sleep, then you can hide pretty well. Or if you can get onto the onto the sails, sort of th- things like that, sort of those are quite quite good places. So if you want something extra to do in Sea of Thieves, you know maybe you can play some hide and seek. You heard it here first. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, just touching a little bit more on the possibility of a fishing alliance. I mean, I think it'd be really cool if they did do that. If they had like some of the higher level stuff where you have to like catch a sea snake or something or like you have to catch a shark like that'd be really cool if you had to like catch sharks as like part of the fishing thing yeah well i mean obviously there's the kraken in the game at the moment there's right. sort of one main boss sort of sea mythical creature sort of thing but one of the really interesting things that they could think that i think they could add is things like a giant shark or something like that because you you see paintings of things like that all around on islands but there's only like the normal sharks in the game. So if you added sort of something with that group, then you could have this sort of new boss worked in somehow. And I reckon that could be quite cool. Definitely. I mean, I think other bosses or things like the Kraken would be very cool. They just have to, I guess, balance it a little better because I've heard a lot of reports. I personally haven't faced the Kraken yet, unfortunately, but I've heard a lot of reports that he isn't that tough. So... Yeah, you know, I'm I'm yet to have a Kraken experience, but originally the Kraken was meant to be sort of something that you'll need a couple of ships to take down. 
I don't know how true that is. From what I've heard, it's very untrue. I mean, from what I've heard, it's like very easy to survive the Kraken. So it is kind of disappointing to hear that. But I am still going to be excited when the first time I face it, just because it's the Kraken. So Yeah, yeah no, I'm really looking forward to the Kraken experience. But just getting back into our topic of the developer update video a little bit. Um, the main issue they're focusing on right now is player rewards being delayed. It is a lot more improved. This is kind of like when you turn in chests and things where your gold is delayed, where your reputation is delayed. It is improved a lot, but they're just trying to make that a little bit more streamlined because some players are still having issues. And if you turn in a lot of stuff at once, then it does take a little while to show up. So they are focusing on that as their main issue. The secondary issue that they're focusing on is delayed achievements. They did shut this off again on the weekend. So on the weekend, you couldn't actually earn your achievements because they shut it off. But they want to let everyone know that it's still stored in their servers. So say you met the requirements for an achievement, it will still be stored in their servers. You just have to wait for it to show up. It is backed on now as far as I believe. So you should be seeing that data roll in hopefully. And they tried to improve that. We already talked about player access, which is their third biggest issue. And then the fourth issue they're focusing on, they've heard some very isolated instances. It was only a couple of players, apparently, but some players had their character details overwritten. So, like, if they had a scar, they might not have a scar anymore, or their hair color might have changed. They have made a fix for this in the future, so it doesn't happen anymore. But if it has happened to you, then they just want you to contact customer support, and they'll help you sort it out. All right. You have any comments on any of those issues? Have you noticed a lot of them recently? I mean, I, I had a few problems with delays, but all I had to do at the time was go off the game and come back onto it, and it and it fixed it. Um, but otherwise, I've I've found I haven't had too many issues. See, that is the one thing they say you shouldn't do, though. Just for anyone that wants to know, they say that you shouldn't log off the game because then you could have issues getting back in. And if you just stay on the game, keep playing, it will show up eventually. But I think that's a little bit less of a problem now because player access issue has gotten so minute that you should be able to log right back in. In hindsight, it was maybe more of a risky decision, but it worked. I know I did it myself before I heard about it, but then once I heard I'm like, oh, well, I guess I can just keep trying to play. Yeah. But kind of related to that developer update video, they did talk about the client update as well. There is a new client update that happened today as of this recording, uh, 327. And this is a huge update you had to download. It was a 9 gigabyte update on Xbox One S, and it was 19 on PC and Xbox One X. So it was a very big update. Basically, they said this is supposed to fix a lot of the bugs and issues that were happening and really improve the whole overall experience of the game. Um, it was released during the maintenance window. That way, people could just hopefully download it before the maintenance window ended and not actually lose any playtime. But the reason why it was so big, they said, is essentially they wanted to get it out faster to players because if they didn't do it this way with a huge update, then they'd have to break it down to a lot more like bite-sized chunks and they'd have to say, okay, here's a little patch, here's a little patch, here's a little patch. And you'd have to keep updating with little patches. They wanted to just knock out everything in one shot and get it to players as fast as possible. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done it yet. But sort of from playing games that also sort of do this thing, it's quite nice sort of just having to do it every now and then than every day having to update it, right. having to change it. And then it's just, you know, you lose a bunch of game time 
every day because you're just constantly updating it. Exactly. But with these sort of these fewer updates, then you know you don't lose as much. Right. Which hopefully, since this update was so big, that means that in the future we won't have to do many more. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. But they said it's supposed to fix a lot of issues. I didn't get much playtime in since the client update. I only got maybe like an hour to two hours tops since the client update, so I didn't get a ton of time to really try it and see if there were any improvements. I mean, I didn't know any, notice any issues with lag or like access or delayed achievements, anything like that. So I didn't notice any issues personally, but it was such a short amount of time that I'm, I can't say for sure if there are still issues. The one thing I did notice that seemed odd to me, I mean, again, I only play it for one to two hours, so it could just be, you know... I just had a bad string of luck, but I did notice that we were doing some merchant stuff and there weren't a lot of animals spawning. So I don't know if they reduced the spawn rate of animals in this client update or if I was just having a bad string of luck. Maybe I was having a bad string of luck, but I do want to mention that to players that perhaps there's less chance of animal spawning now. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm not a massive fan of sort of merchant alliance quests. I I often find that they take a lot of time and you don't get much from them. Yeah, for me, I'm definitely the opposite side of that. I mean, I love the merchant playstyle, but I think that's what's great about the game is people can have different playstyles and still enjoy the game. For me, it just offers a lot of varied stuff to it because, like, with, say, when you get to the wooden crates, you can, you know, you have to decide, okay, do I want to give all my wood away to do this quest, or do I want to keep it? Do I want to fail this contract? Like, it does offer some interesting aspects to the game that you wouldn't have in the other factions, I think. Yeah, no, it's sort of great that sort of, whilst it's a simple game, there's so many different options. Like, you can do PvP, you can focus on that, and you can make a lot of gold. You can focus on PvE with skeleton forts, and you can make a bunch of gold from that. Or sort of just sort of karma, gentler voyages and focusing on those and you can still make tons of money. And all of them are viable ways to play the game and, you know, they all have the different targets. Exactly, which I think is great about this game because you can play the game in multiple different ways. I mean, if you really wanted to, you could just never focus on the factions and PvP and level up just by PvP. I mean, it'd probably take you longer, I think, unless you're really good at it or really lucky and find a lot of players that have a lot of things but it's definitely an option that you can take yeah so that's a nice thing about the game definitely but just getting into our major topic of this episode we're going to talk about how to take down a fort so i know a lot of players have probably taken down forts but there's probably some new players that have been kind of intimidated by it maybe they've tried a fort and they couldn't beat it so they just gave up we kind of want to give you some like step-by-step tips and like break it down all together that way next time if you do encounter a fort you won't give up you know you'll actually want to try it and take it down or something and for any experienced players a lot of this like i said in the top of the episode it might be stuff you already know but maybe we'll say something that you didn't think of in a certain way before maybe we'll have like a little tidbit that you can try out that might help you do it faster but just getting into that what are your overall thoughts on forts before we dive into how to do it? I mean, sort of, one imp- really, really, really important thing is stop stocking up. You Agreed. really need to stop off uh, one or two items, really, to stock up. You need, sort of, one one tactic I use, which we'll go into more later, it needs tons of cannibals, so 
you'll be wanting like at least a hundred. So you want to go to quite a few islands, stock up, stock up as much as you can with that. You really, you're going to want around 50 bananas. And you're going to need some wooden planks for getting there as well. So you're stocking up is a vital part of doing, doing a, a skeleton fort. You can't just go there and expect to succeed. Definitely. I mean, the biggest one is probably bananas because if you don't have enough bananas, you're just not going to survive because bananas do spawn in the barrels on the fort. But if you don't have like any on your ship, then you're probably not going to last very long in the waves. Yeah, yeah. No, but not sort of bananas are just sort of the one of the essentials for, for skeleton forts. But just starting to get into the fort itself. So the first thing that's obviously going to happen is you're in the world somewhere. You're going to see the big skull cloud appear somewhere in the world. It'll be a big white cloud, it'll have green flashing eyes, and it'll indicate to everyone that's around that area, there's a skeleton fort here, you know, come rabie, basically. So, once you make the decision that you are going to go for that, basically you're going to be approaching, whether you're in a galleon or a sloop, you'll be approaching and you might see other ships there, you might not. Say you don't see other ships there, you know, that's great because you can just get right into the fort, but... Say you did see another ship there. Say you're in a galleon and you saw a sloop there, for example. What would be your approach? Well, I found that going into a skeleton fort, quite often sloops will run away if they see a galleon coming. But um, what we like to do is get our galleon in nice and close to the island. So if we can sidle up alongside the sloop, if we don't have to anchor, just get a couple of shots into it and sink it, or at least scare it off, then sort of that's the best. So you can then just sort of turn around to get in nice and close to the island to stop. Otherwise, you know, even just ramming the sloop uh, sort of sometimes is just the best option. You don't you don't need to waste cannibals. You don't need to waste too many things. Generally won't get too many holes if you can just ram them. They'll probably be on the island. Just stop them from repairing any holes. Right, definitely. And part of it, too, is you can always team up with the sloop, too. I mean, depends on your playstyle a little bit. Some people don't ever like to do that but you know what i like to try to do is when my usual crew approaches a fort we basically just wait to see if they're going to fire on us first if they don't fire on us we'll at least entertain a conversation first and you know see if they're like nice people at least because we don't like to just assume that they're going to attack us so we wait and see if they're going to attack us first if they do attack us okay they're dead then we're going to sink them but i mean if they don't attack us first we'll at least talk to them and you know, maybe we will work with them. Maybe we will actually split some of the treasure. Have you encountered some situations where you did work with sloops? I have before, but that's the entire reason I now sink them on site. Sort of every situation I've had where we've tried to work with people on a skeleton fort, they've just betrayed us. Because, you know, it's upwards of 10, 12,000 gold that you can make from it. Sort of at least. So that's a lot of gold at stake. And you both know that you're going to betray each other at the end of this. So I just feel like you might as well deal with them now than when there's actually gold at stake. See, that's interesting because I've actually had the opposite experience. I mean, every time I've teamed up with someone, no one's ever betrayed each other. So it's very interesting for me that you've had that experience. Yeah, I've had only negative experiences with teaming up with people on Skeleton Fort. So. Yeah, I've only had positive ones. I mean, I guess that's why I'm more apt to do it because I've had positive experiences. So... Whilst I have had positive experiences outside of forts, like the other day, we were on a galleon and we 
managed to encounter two sloots in a galleon, all of whom fired upon us, but just through talking to their crew, we managed to get out of all of the fights without firing a single cannon, without losing any of our treasure or anything. So, you know, it, it is there. You can do it. I've just not been so lucky with, with uh, skeleton forts. Yeah, I mean, I've only had one instance where I guess you could say somebody betrayed us a little bit. Like, we worked with the sloop once where it was basically on one of those server maintenance windows where the server was about to shut down soon. And we basically decided, okay, well, we're no one's going to get any treasure if the server shuts down and no one's beat this. So we decided, let's work with the sloop. Let's try to take it down together. At least we get something out of it instead of nothing. And right towards the end of that, when it was like five or ten minutes left before the server shut down, basically the sloop decided to start firing on us, and we're like, well, what the hell? What is your problem? I mean, like, in a normal situation, it'd be, okay, they betrayed us, you know, that's perfect play, but in this situation, I mean, the server's going to shut down in ten minutes, so we were, like, baffled. We're like, why are you even doing this? This is going to serve no purpose for anyone. But they did do that, but then they kind of realized that after we were talking, and they started helping us again. You know, which which use do you go for sort of sort of do you attack them or do you try to work with them? Right, exactly. Which like I said, my crew we usually don't attack first and we wait and see what happens because the way I look at it, I mean, if somebody fires at me first, that one shot, that's gonna tell me everything I need to know. So why make that first shot if you don't have to? That's kinda how I look at it. Yeah, yeah, that that's completely fair enough. So if they make that one shot towards us, okay, that's an act of regression. We're going right at you. But if they don't make that shot, I at least want to give them the chance to like talk to them, and maybe they're going to be working with us. Maybe they won't, but I at least want to give players that chance. That's how I look at it. Yeah, yeah no, I, I get that. I get that. But the counterpoint to that, we talked about when you're going in a galleon and you see a sloop. What if you're going in a sloop and you see a galleon? How does that change things for you? Sort of a key thing you want to use is your maneuverability. So I recently had a situation where I was on a sloop and I was being chased by a galleon. Um, and what I did was I went round, I hid behind a random skeleton fort. It wasn't the skeleton fort, it was just a random fort. I hid there, I anchor maneuvered, so I span round. I baited them round that sort of the left of the island and I came back round from the right. Sort of I just And I just went off on my way. I just completely duped them. So you'll be using your maneuverability a lot. If you can anchor yourself behind them, if you want to take them out, so you can, so they can't shoot you, but you can shoot them. You want to get into situations like that if you're looking to sink them, where you can shoot them, but they can't shoot you. They're obviously going to try and board you in these situations, so you you might not want to anchor. Just sort of keep sort of spinning around them, if possible. But it's quite hard at that point. It depend. It depends if you're a two-man or one-man sloop. If you're a one-man, it's you're really going to struggle. If you're a two-man, then you can have one person on cannons and the other person can keep you moving. So it, it it's not as bad at that point. Yeah, I think it definitely varies a lot depending whether you are a one-man or two-man sloop. Like you said, I mean, if you're a one-man sloop, what I would suggest is go in there with the intent on trying to get the galleon to work with you whether you want to betray them at the end that's up to you in the long term but if you at least go in as a one man and you try to work with the galleon then you at least have that in to actually get into the fort without engaging them because if you're engaging them unless you're like a very experienced player and you're one of the better players 
you're not going to fare very well versus a four-person galleon by yourself. So if you're a one-person sloop, I would say just go in with the intent of let me work with you. You know, whether you want to betray them after, that's up to you how you want to play that. But I'd say that's definitely the best way to approach the situation. As a two-man sloop, I would say pick your battles, basically. Because as you said, the sloop has more maneuverability. So if you aren't going to work with them and you're going to fight them, you can do that, but just pick your battles a little bit, you know, maybe circle around the island and go around the backside of them, or maybe try to prevent them boarding, obviously, because you said they're going to try and board you, which usually does occur in that situation. But you could try to do the same thing as the one-man sloop and approach the situation as if you're going to work with them and then betray them afterwards. That is always an option for you, but definitely pick your battles in a two-man sloop, because if you're outnumbered, then you want to pick situations where you're going to fare better maybe drive into situations where it's more shallow water where you can get away faster to take a sharp turn where the galleon can't do that or maybe drive into an area where the galleon can't maneuver as well and then you can go after the fort yeah sloop versus galleon it, it, it's tough sort of fort wise because you're also gonna likely have parts of the fort firing at you at some of these right. times so you, you're gonna be getting a lot of fire but that's another situation where you can kind of pick your battles too like if the fort is firing at you as well, try and sandwich the galleon in between the fort and the skeletons. That way you're firing at them and the fort's firing on them and they're like getting fired on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. It, it goes both ways. So like that is a situation where you can use that to your advantage. Basically, you always want to use your terrain to your advantage. I mean, and it is, I mean, obviously a lot of players don't like to do this and I don't even like it myself, but it is definitely viable in some situations where you just you know, call it a loss and call it a day because I've had situations where there's so many ships at the fort, like, you know, there's two sloops and two galleons, like including us. And yeah, it, that's just yeah, not going to happen. It's, I mean, you can come out on top in that situation eventually, but basically the way I look at it is like the cost you're sinking into it. You know, say you're sinking three hours into this fort and you're facing you know, a galleon and two sloops, say you actually did come out on top. Okay, that three hours you spent, you're going to get a lot of gold from that and everything, but is that three hours better spent somewhere else? Can you make that, that gold three hours somewhere else? Which you can. So, like, you have to kind of just think about the sunk cost because say you didn't come out on top and you just spent three hours and it was a wasted effort where you got nothing. Yes, it's going to be a fun experience for you still, and you're going to have some great memories from that, but it's also going to sting a lot that you spent three hours and you got absolutely nothing from it. Yeah, well, that that is one thing with forts. They, they can be quite draining, because you really need to focus on them. Sort of, It's all your concentration, and that's hard concentration for maybe two, three hours, and that's really tiring, and, and that, that can make the game just sort of slightly too much which is why at times it's better to just do voyages than than skull fort so it's know when to do them because sort of voyages and stuff they can just be therapeutic and relaxing whereas skull forts they they can be quite draining because you do need to concentrate right exactly so basically when you approach it just kind of assess your situation a little bit and figure out Okay, there's three ships here already. Do I really want to, you know, spend like the three hours or whatever it's going to take to actually come out on top of the situation? Or do I want to go do something else and definitely get something? Because 
I mean, it depends on my mood personally. Sometimes I will want to disengage that battle, but there's other times where I want to make sure I'm going to get something out of it. And there's not always a guarantee where you're going to have four ships if you're going to get anything at all. So in some situations, you might want to just call it a day before you actually the fort, which I know doesn't sound very piratey. It doesn't sound like, why would you ever want to do that? But there are situations where it is the smarter move to just, you know, back off. Yeah. But let's say you actually have gotten to the fort, you know, however you approach this situation, you either you're either working with a galleon or working with a sloop, you sunk them and they went away. However you went about it, you're actually at the fort now. So let's dig into how you're getting into the fort. The first thing you're going to see when you get into the fort is obviously the towers. They're going to fire on you. So the first thing you want to do, in my opinion, is take out those towers. That way you can pull your ship up close. Well, if, if you get your ship close enough, then the cannons can't fire on you either way. So it, it depends where you end up. Right, definitely. I'll go into it a bit now. What I like to do um, is what we, my crew do. We, we take our ship and we get it to somewhere where it can shoot onto the island. And someone will go onto the island, kite the skeletons to somewhere where you can shoot it, and we'll shoot them with the cannons. So, say if you had a, a two-man... Sort of, for getting into these situations, you can just ram the island, because it gets you into pretty good sit places near to the land. And, you know, you just repair it all, then you don't, then you don't have a problem. And, you know, it's all fixed up, and then you're in a great place to shoot the skeletons. So... It depends where you, where you end up. If you're somewhere where these where the towers can still shoot at you, then absolutely those are going to be your number one priority to take out. Because otherwise, you you simply can't do it. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Like you're saying, it definitely depends where you're actually approaching from. If you're approaching from the side that there's no towers, then by all means, you can just dock right there. But even in those situations where there's no towers in front of you. My crew and I, we tend to like to take out the towers anyways. That way we just don't have to worry about it because usually what we'll do is say we're on a four-man galleon. What we'll do is we'll send two players overboard to take out one tower each. Then we know those towers are cleared. And then the last two players that are on the galleon, they can position the ship in the best possible situation because you mentioned kiting skeletons and using the cannons. Basically, we try to position the ship in the best possible spot where we can do that. Like say it's the entrance or something. So if the two players go off the ship and take out the towers, we can position the ship anywhere we want and have that ready. Yeah, well, I, I know with sloops, with some of the islands, you can actually get the sloop into the island, which is, like, an amazing place for it. And obviously you're, like, out the way of all the towers there, and so it it, it all just does come down to how you're going to approach it, sort of. You, you can go on the island and take out, sort of, all of the rounds sort of in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Um, with the doorway to the, to the tower, you can only get one skeleton past it at a time. So if you have jungle skeletons, which we'll be going more into the types in a second, um, if you have jungle skeletons, then you can just stand in the doorway and just take them out one by one. And right. They can't do anything. In yeah, I think kind of like you touched on, though, I mean... It is definitely different with a sloop because if you're a sloop and say you got into a situation where it's just you there and you're taking on the fort, I think it's even more important actually to have positioning of your ship because if it's just a sloop, I mean, you're definitely going to want to use those cannons to do some kiting because there's only two people at max, maybe even one. 
I don't know about you, but I've only took down a fort one time with two people. Have you ever done it yet? I haven't, but my crew has. I I wasn't there, so the other two, they went off and they managed to do a fort together. I'd imagine it would be incredibly difficult on your own. Yeah, I have heard stories of players doing it on their own, which definitely is possible, but you're going to have to block out a lot of time to do that, so... Uh, good luck with that good luck right because even like my friend and i who took down the fort on a two-man sloop it took us a good hour and a half to two hours to do that because there's just two of us so it does take yeah. a while to do that if you're just two-man sloop but it it definitely can be done as a two-man or one man but i would definitely say if you're approaching this as a two-man or one man positioning is everything because you really want to have that ship ready to fire its cannons on whatever waves you need and you want to position that cannon perfectly because if you don't have the access to that cannon, say your ship is like on the backside of the island where no skeletons are really going to go, you're really up to just you and your friend and that's it. If you have the cannon at your side, it's kind of like having that third player, basically. Even there's the cannon on the island, sort of, which is quite right. good with, if you get the golden skeletons all coming towards you in the water, then if you have the the cannon that's on looking in on the island angled right then you can just kill them all with a cannibal just like a cannibal wipe the entire wave right so basically now that you've done this you know you're ready to take on the fort and you've taken out the towers you've done whatever you've done you're actually in the meat of the fort now so basically at the meat of the fort you're going to have different types of skeletons you're going to start off with your normal you know rinky dink skeletons that are like really easy that you find on any island that'll be like your initial experience with it which pretty much anyone even new players can handle that very easily but then you're going to kind of graduate as you go up and it's going to be your blue bandana skeletons i don't know if there's a technical name for them but basically these guys the blue bandanas they're just kind of like i guess more of a experienced crew of skeletons essentially and they're just a little bit tougher they're not really any like special abilities about them or anything but they're just a little tougher to beat and they take a little longer to beat than a normal skeleton you're going to graduate up to your gold skeletons your gold skeletons basically how you take them down is you're going to splash water on them which will slow them down and weaken them but the best way to take them down is to lead them into the pond that's in the middle of the fort if there is one some forts i think have one like on the side so just leave them to the side or something but lead them into the water that will slow them down considerably and then you can use gunpowder to kill them have you um used these tactics on gold skeletons a lot absolutely gold skeletons in my opinion are actually the easiest i think so as i mentioned you just get them into the lake in the middle of the right island and then you just shoot them with the on island cannon and you know that that takes like no effort you can just solo that that i would say is the easiest part of the fort See, personally, I wouldn't say it's the easiest one for me. I mean, I'd say you definitely make great points why it is easy. But for me, one of the ones I didn't mention yet is the jungle skeletons or like the mossy ones, whatever you want to call them specifically. For me, that is easiest because for that one, your sword is very effective against them, which against the gold skeletons, definitely never use your sword against gold skeletons. It will pretty much do no damage to them. It'll take forever. So don't use that because they're pretty invulnerable to that. I assume you can kill them if you did it long enough. I haven't really tried it too much, but use gunpowder for them. But the jungle skeletons, for me, that's really easy because just a couple of swipes of your sword or a couple of sword lunges and any jungle skeleton will die. The caveat to that, though, is they do heal in water. So if you actually let them get to the pond or something, they will start healing. 
if it's raining, they will heal. So definitely keep them inside, keep them away from the pond. But as long as you do that, I think they're very easy to beat. Uh, apparently, the jungle ones also get stronger and quicker if they get in the water as well. Right, yeah. So that's what I was saying. Like, definitely keep them away from the water, for sure. Yeah, that's just what makes them dangerous, in my opinion. Whereas the gold skeletons, they just don't have this problem at all if you just get them in the water with the cannon. But not, neither of them are too bad. Both of those ways are pretty easy. I mean, I guess the way I look at it, I see your point, but the way I look at it is with the gold ones, you know, you're going to have to use gunpowder and you're going to have to go reload. You're going to have to go find cannonballs or use a gunpowder keg, things like that. The jungle ones, all you have to do is pull out your sword and it's basically done. You know what I mean? You don't have to actually yeah. use any resources yeah. at all. That's how I look at it. So your sword is not any resources you have to use. You just pull out your sword you know, end of the wave as soon as you get start hacking away. So that's how I look at that. That's fair enough. I mean, everyone has their own play styles. But kind of like I said with those, just, you know, kite them together. If you kite them together, you can take like one sword lunch. You can usually take out a couple at once, which is nice. But it's kind of the same thing with the gold skeletons. If you kite all of them together in one spot and use a gunpowder keg on them, then you can basically take out the whole bunch in one shot, which that is one thing we didn't mention a whole lot of is... We talked about when you first come into this, you want to make sure you're set up for success and you actually have bananas, cannonballs, things like that. Your gunpowder barrels, definitely use them wisely. I would say definitely place them strategically around the fort. You know, maybe place one on the rock in the middle of the fort, maybe place one at the entrance, things like that. That way there's points where you can actually kite skeletons together and if you're getting overwhelmed, just blow the barrel. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing to be wary of is that also the skeletons can accidentally decimate them in crossfire as right, well. Right, which does suck, but I mean, I think they're more useful than they're not, because worst case scenario, they're yeah. going to kill you and you just come back anyways, but best case scenario, you kill like five of them once. Or something. Yeah, I mean, either way, you're probably going to kill a few of them with it, so... Right, and along those same lines, definitely make sure you know where your bananas are, you know, figure out where the banana barrels are, know, okay, here's where I go if I need help, and know where your ammo crate is. It's usually in the same spot in most forts, up in one of the towers a little bit, but like on a pathway, but definitely know where that is so you can go get more ammo. So kind of scout it out early on, that way you know where to go in the later waves. Yeah, and again, knowing where bananas are is just really important because if, if you're kiting skeletons or even if you just need to run away from them for a bit, knowing where to go to get bananas and where to heal or get ammo, sort of things like that, it's just really important for doing it right but there's still one skeleton type we didn't touch on which is without a doubt the toughest skeleton to face these shadow skeletons these are very hard basically during the day it's you know not that bad really they're still i say fairly tough during the day because they don't have a certain i guess weakness too much because they're weak to light so they're already weakened a little bit but you still have to hack away at them for a little while or use some gunpowder but at night, they are a terror. And I would say at night, definitely make sure you're on your A game. Make sure you're working as a team if you have a teammate. If you're solo, that really sucks. But, I mean, you can kind of kite them together. We had the misfortune of experiencing shadow skeletons in a night fort the other day. That sucks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't go well. The shadow skeletons are just the worst i hate them they're such a pain this is like when cannons and your gunpowder barrels really become useful if you can just take these out with those so you don't have to worry about them then 
that's really the best but otherwise you know they can really be tough right which kind of plays into what i said about strategically placing gunpowder like you know i would definitely recommend saving some for the shadow skeletons but yeah like i said they are weak to light so if it's daytime you don't have a ton to worry about honestly like a daytime skeleton like or sorry a daytime shadow skeleton most crews can handle that pretty easily but a nighttime one what you can do is you can hold up your lantern and that will burn their armor off. So what you could do is say you're a four-man crew, for example, you could have like one or two people hold up some lanterns while some other people hit them. Or even a two-man crew, you could have one player do that while the other one attacks. So it does help, but I have found it doesn't last for very long and it is kind of hard when you get overwhelmed. So it's definitely a great tactic to just honestly run and kite them together in a spot that's more advantageous for you. Don't let them overwhelm you in a territory that won't be good for you. Let them overwhelm you in a territory that is handpicked by you, basically. Yeah, sort of, you need to control where they're going. Right. Sort of, if you can control where they're going, rather than them sort of forcing you into positions where you don't want to be, then that's already half the fight. If you, if you can just keep control of things, then it's not too bad. Right, definitely, because these guys have a lot more health, they, they're they a lot faster, and especially at night with their armor and everything, they're just a terror to fight, so do not let them fight you, like, in a territory that you don't want to fight at. You know, don't just run up and start smacking them, because they'll all just come around you, and you're basically dead in a couple of seconds, like... Yeah, yeah. So just make sure you're fighting them in a situation that's best for you. It's okay to have a player be, like, the sacrifice player, like, say somebody's just you know leading them all together back to where the cannon is that's perfectly fine as a strategy but don't all of us be like oh let's run up together and just start smacking them in this you know little kited area make sure it's actually a situation that's going to be good for you because otherwise that is not going to work and you're all going to die and it's going to reset the skeleton for right exactly so definitely make sure it's a situation that works for you i mean like you said, you know, the cannons are very important with these guys or gunpowder barrels. I would just definitely recommend, even if it's daytime, it's still a great idea to just run them back to the cannons and shoot them with the cannons, even if it's daytime, honestly. But that's basically it for the shadow skeletons. So when you get through all these ways, there's going to be a lot of these ways. You know, they're going to have, you'll have your normal skeletons first, like we said, then some blue banana ones. It'll switch between the other ones. It'll maybe be gold for a wave. It'll be shadow for a next wave. Maybe it'll be gold again, and that's in jungle ones. I think it varies. It's I think it's randomized per wave, but once you get through all these waves and you get to the last wave, the skeleton captain will show up, and you know it's the captain because it shows a big red marker over their head, and will say their name. Captain, honestly, the shadow skeletons are going to be a lot harder than the captain will be, in my opinion. Basically, the captain is just a lot more health. Uh, they're usually hit a little bit harder, so they'll deal with more damage to you. And in some cases, they're faster. Not all of them are faster, I would say, but some cases they are a lot faster. But basically, the big thing to keep in mind when the captain comes up, if you kill the captain, the rest of the skeletons in that wave just instantly die. So say 10 skeletons spawn with the captain. If you kill the captain by itself, the rest of the 10 will just die. So go right for the captain when that comes up. Yeah, and again, it's one of the situations where cannons and everything come into play. Because if you can cannonball the skeleton captain, then that's going to be two or three ske- There's going to be two or three direct hit cannonballs, and then he's dead. And you know, 
that's much easier than having to engage him in sort of combat. He can really do a lot of damage and really hurt you. Right, definitely. And another key, like, it should be kind of self-explanatory, but if you are in a team, you know, obviously if you're a solo player, you have to just basically work on kiting the skeletons every time. You know, use your cannon, kite the skeletons, use your cannon, basically. But if you are in a team, whether it's two-man or four-team, or four-man teams, definitely work together. I mean, say all four of you were just hacking away at the skeleton captain together with your sword, he's going to die pretty fast. So just work as a team, stay together, and, you know, have a plan, basically. I mean, whether your plan is to, like, have one player, you know, snipe from up top, or whether your plan is to have all four of you on the ground, both situations honestly will work. Just use whatever works best for your crew, but definitely work together in whatever you're doing. Yeah, that is a game sort of half the battle if you guys can just organize things then and sort of you've got it in the bag if everything's unorganized then it's going to make everything a lot harder than it needs to be right agreed which that is a situation where i think it's pretty tough for a crew that is all like say four random people just joined up together i think it is tougher for a crew like that to take out a skeleton fort because you might not have the same communication you have with players you joined up beforehand. So if it is possible for you, I would recommend doing a fort with players you already know and players that already know the game a little bit. But it's not that a new player can't do a skeleton fort, just if they don't know what they're doing and they're not communicating, it's kind of a double whammy. If they're at least if they're at least new and they are communicating, you can kind of work them through it and have them help you. But communication is definitely key with the skeleton forts, so if there's no communication, honestly, it's going to be very hard for you to beat the fort. Yeah, yeah. But basically, you did all that, and the skeleton captain's dead. Now you have the key. It'll drop a little key. Essentially, you just go underneath where the like main deck of the fort is, and that's where the vault is. You're going to put that key to the vault. It's going to open the vault, and you're going to have a ton of treasure there. So when you enter the treasure, enter the treasure vault... There's going to be a lot of different things there. There'll be a lot of like little goblets and cups that are worth some money. There's going to be some different things from Merchants Alliance, like crates of tea, uh, crates of salt. There'll be things for the Order of Souls, like some skeleton skulls, things like that. And there's obviously going to be chests, you know, some maybe some seafarer chests, the stronghold chests, things like that. Basically, your goal here when you first enter it is get the most expensive stuff first. So the most expensive things that you can get are the Stronghold Skull, the Stronghold Chest, and for the Merchant's Alliance, it's not the same amount of money, but it's fairly close. I've found the exotic spices is worth the most, so those are the ones you want to focus on, I've found. Have you found the same thing? I haven't found the Stronghold Skull yet, but definitely the Stronghold Chest, that's going to be one thing you want to get off quickly. Sort of any expensive chests like that. If there's a chest of a thousand grog, which I got for the first time the other day. Interesting. I haven't seen that one in there. Well, what it is, is when you pick it up, you get the drunk effect. Oh, yeah. No, so I know what you, it is. I just haven't seen the four is what I'm saying. Well, you probably want to take that one last, if anything, because sort of that's going to take longer to get over. Right. So in the time that you could get that over, you could maybe get over two goblets or something, which could be worth almost as much each if it's sort of something like that then take it later on I, as far as i know it's the only the chest of thousand grogs that is like that so sort of only in that situation would you do it maybe later on 
But otherwise, yeah, you're going to want to focus the expensive things first, expensive skulls, expensive chests, all, all that sort of thing. Right, and if you're new at the game, you're probably not going to know what's most expensive, and that's fine. Just ask somebody on your crew, and hopefully they know what's more expensive, and they can kind of point you, okay, grab this first, and, you know, grab these things last. Because, like you said, you definitely want to focus on the most expensive things first. I mean, the Stronghold chest, I don't remember the exact amount, but I think it's around, like, 2500 the stronghold skull is about 2000 something as well the exotic spices is the highest one i found for merchants alliance that one i found to be about like 1500 so it's a little bit less but it's still sort of comparable so those are the ones i would say focus on first and then just kind of work your way down probably the lowest tier stuff that you want to focus on is like all the little goblets and cups those little goblets and cups, they're really not worth that much, so I would focus on those last. Well, the little goblets can be worth quite a bit. I would say do those before any seafarer's chests. That is true, yeah, that's a good point. One time I got, it was sort of like a jewel-encrusted goblet or something like that, and it was worth a thousand. So they, they can be worth quite a bit. But even if you don't know exactly how much each individual one is worth, you can often tell just by looking at them. Sort of the fancier they look, the more they're worth. Right, yeah. I guess what I was saying in my mind, I was thinking about the ones that are like, it's just a silver cup is all it looks like. like yeah, yeah. The ones that look yeah. like they have like, oh, wow, this has all these jewels on it. That one is going to be worth more and you want to get that to your ship faster. But if it's like, I was kind of thinking more along the lines like the little, oh, it's just a silver cup. That's yeah. all it is. Like, yeah. that's the one you kind of want to kind of leave for last because just a silver cup is probably not going to be worth that much. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. But... Also, when you get into this vault and you have all that treasure there, you kind of have to assess your situation, too. Because maybe you fought off a ship when you first got here and they waited to come back until the skull was dead and they want to steal the treasure from you. Or maybe you're actually working with someone and they might want to steal the treasure now as well. So assess the situation you're in. In some situations, you're going to have all the time in the world. You can grab everything, take it back to the outpost, cash it all in. It's all yours. But in other situations, you might have to grab a couple items and go, depending on like, oh, there's three ships coming. Let's just grab a couple expensive things, go to the outpost, and we cash in the best stuff. So it depends on the situation. You definitely want to assess who is coming to the area, who is already at the area, or who might come back to the area. So you want to try and be fast about it, but also be smart about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if you see sort of people coming your way, if they're on a galleon and you're on a sloop, Sloops have a hard time getting away from galleys, as galleons are generally faster than sloops. So sort of you're gonna want to give yourself as much a head start as possible. A good thing for for doing to get all the treasure is if you have a bit of a chain. So if you had one person getting things from out of the vault to one side of the pond, one person from one side of the pond to the other, one person from one side of the pond to the ship. And if you do that, then you can really quickly get loot on and off of your island. And, and the same goes for trading it in as well. Then you can just really quickly get all of your loot in. Um, that, that's good if you're being chased or people are about to chase you. Right, definitely. I mean, like you said, I think a chain is the best way to go about this. Usually what we do is if it's a four-man galleon, we'd have one person grab all the stuff out of the vault and put it right next to the vault. And then we have like two people just take it from that spot back to the ship that we know everything's clear from the vault. And I would definitely recommend, though, having at least one person as a lookout if you have the bodies. I mean, if you have a two-man sloop or you're by yourself, you can't really afford to do that that much. But 
if you have a four-man galleon, I would definitely recommend putting one person on lookout duty just to make sure someone doesn't come up and sneak behind you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after all that work, it would definitely suck to have someone just sneak up on the other side of the island and steal a bunch of shit from you or steal oh, it all yeah. from you. So. Yeah, that's, that's going to hurt, given, as I mentioned, you can make easily upwards of 12,000. Like, exactly. Sort of, we, We've made 20,000 from one before. So, you know, that's a lot of gold. You know, if you do four of those, then that's already you can buy one of the ship cosmetic items. Sort of a new sail or a new hull, and those are, those are really expensive. So Right, which all the more reason for a lookout. Because, I mean, if you don't have a lookout and somebody sneaks up on you, you're going to feel very foolish for not having a lookout. So definitely have someone looking out and making sure that there's no one coming. And if there is someone coming, then you can actually communicate about that with your team and how you want to handle that. So it's definitely good to have that. And also, like you said, basically this is a good way to level up. I mean, you get like 13 grand in gold if you cash it all in. So this is a great way to level up with all three trade companies. So if you're having trouble leveling up with those, definitely have some forts. But just keep in mind that a lot of people do know this now. So a lot of people are probably going to have the same idea you have. And you're going to enter situations where you're going to find other ships there. Yeah. In the last beta when it was first added, skeleton forts were really tough so much tougher than they are now they were near impossible and so when the first came out everyone was still afraid of them because they were like oh it's it's still going to be really hard i don't want to do that and because of this you didn't really have problems with other ships and one skeleton fort we did in literally like five minutes you know we we just rolled it and then made 12k but sort of since then they people have learned this and they become more popular, so you do have to keep an eye out for ships. Sort of throughout the whole thing, pretty much. Just every now and then, just make sure that there's no one coming your way. See, that's interesting to me, actually, because, again, I had a different experience in the final beta. I mean, I noticed a lot of people saying how hard it was and everything, but honestly, in the final beta, like, I only did, I think, two of them, but my crew found it pretty easy. Again, maybe that's because people were so fearful of it that we didn't really encounter a lot of other ships there. So maybe that's why it was a little easier for us. But I mean, in the final beta, I didn't have a lot of problems with it. And I'd say now it's a little bit harder because a lot more ships go there. So I guess it depends on your experience. Yeah, more variation. But that is kind of the thing with this thing. I mean, everything all depends on your experience. You know, you could have a really hard time with something that someone else might find very easy. It just depends on the experience that you personally have, which is one of the nice things about CFDs is that these experiences are so varied that each person has a different experience each time. Yeah, it's these variations and, you know, you can choose to go for skeleton forts. You know, they, they can bring in the money if you successfully do them. If you If you manage to get past all the obstacles in your way, then they can really be worth it. Definitely. So do you have any other comments about Skeleton Forts you want to add for players? Any other last-minute tips? Not off the top of my head, no. Yeah, I don't think I really have any either. I mean, I think we pretty much covered step-by-step what you're going to do and, you know, the situations you might encounter. So hopefully this helps some newer players with actually taking on Skeleton Forts. And if you're an experienced player, hopefully this helps you with learning some new tips you didn't know about or maybe some like different ways of thinking about things that you didn't think of before yeah absolutely i I hope this was sort of beneficial to everyone but that's pretty much all we have for the skeleton forts and what we have for today so i want to thank you very much monty for coming on it's been a pleasure to have you here so thank you very much for joining us today you're welcome and once again thanks for having me 
I think it was a great episode. And if people want to find you, where can they find you or contact you if they want to hear more about Skeleton Forts? They can find me on Xbox as De Epic Duck, spaces between all of those words, no capitals. On there, I have a Sea of Thieves community, which I admin and I run, and that's sort of for everyone for finding different crews and just generally if you're getting into the game then you can find people to play with on there so yeah you can find me on there and as for me you can find me on twitter at Derek blaze or you can find me via email d.blaze89 at gmail.com those are the two main ways to find me and in terms of the podcast if you're listening to this you can either listen to on itunes stitcher google play a bunch of different methods you can also just Google it and find it that way, but there's a bunch of different methods to find the podcast, so leave us some feedback, however you want to do that, and just let us know what you liked about the podcast, what you didn't like, but just give us some feedback, and it'll be very much appreciated. So thank you so much for listening, and thank you again, Monty, for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Thank you.